Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This is a second episode with life coach Mark Fennell, which we recorded about five months ago. It's full of practical advice on a whole heap of topics and he also answers a selection of questions that were sent in on Instagram as well. Some of the themes he tackles are overthinking, being triggered, relationships, finding purpose, accountability, acceptance, overwhelm, fear of rejection, time management and people-pleasing. We could have spoken for hours as conversations like this one are right up my street. And I started by asking him about imposter syndrome. Yes, and it's very common. Uh, 70 to 80% of people suffer with imposter syndrome. Um, It's not a disease or sickness, so to speak. It's a mindset. It's a frame of mind. And it is feeling that you are an imposter um, in your role. Uh, You don't deserve to be there or you're a fraud a fraud in that position that's not being found out yet yeah. so you're an imposter you don't the bottom line the undercurrent of it is I don't deserve to be here yeah. that's what we really think and it's a frame of mind and when it gets in it's 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 a it's a brutal thing um, because it can debilitate people's abilities their skills and it can really distract them from their focus of what they're actually there to do and I think we know a lot of people who are bloody brilliant mm. but they don't realise how great they are I mean Tom Hanks got it 
you know, he couldn't believe he was going for acting roles. And there was these people who had all of this, you know, schooling of acting. And he says, how am I going to ever get this role? How did I get this role? And those guys were in the same, you know, audition. Michelle Obama had it. How can I be the wife to the first president? Who am I? Um, wow, yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow had it. She started, you know, all her health stuff. And she says, I don't know all these words they're using to describe. And she says, I used to write them down on a piece of paper and said, I need to learn what that word means. <laughs> she didn't know what the word F- the C- uh, CFO meant, chief financial officer. She didn't know what CFO was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you know and she they, they're all publicly come out, said that they've suffered from imposter syndrome um, you know and it's great when we hear that yeah we hear David these... Beckham the same yeah yeah he couldn't believe he was in the locker room at one point he says why am I here why am I here and he had he had to have a conversation with his father you know and his, his, his dad never told him well done okay and it kind of came from that but so look we can all experience it and it's not a constant Here's when it pops its head up, when we step out of our comfort zone, when we level up in life, as they use the term now, but when we move into something we've not done before, but we want to, like you go for that promotion, you're nervous. What will it be like? Will I be up to par? That's when the imposter, the inner critic goes, are you sure you deserve this? You know, are you enough for this job? How many times I hear, you know, people say, I'm not enough. Yeah. Or I don't deserve, you know, sometimes I've heard people say, and this is a common thing. I don't know if this is, I don't know if it's an Irish thing, but I hear a lot from, from Irish um, clients. Um, oh, something good's happening. Oh, sure, something bad will happen, no doubt. You know, they, they something good happens, but they're waiting for something bad to happen. We're glass half full till something good happens. And then catastrophizing, we're catastrophizing, you know. Total catastrophizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something shit is around the corner. So the imposter syndrome comes from, and it's not always a lack of self-belief because we went for that role or position. I see imposter syndrome come from a new mum you know, who's just had a baby and they feel like I, I'm the worst mother, you know, compared to all everyone else on Instagram. Yeah. Listen, Instagram is just one side of, you know, of, of and normally the best side of people you see. So don't go by Instagram. But, you know, you, you'll, you'll get imposter syndrome from the mom, the new mom uh, to, oh, the kids are at the school gate and the other mothers look like they have it together and I'm there struggling. My hair is in, you know, up in a pony and I'm all over the place and, you know, there's pasta down me here from the baby and the child's in the wrong uniform and, and they're like, how can I, I'm not a good mother. Well, again, you mentioned this in the last episode and I thought it was brilliant when you said you were Googling, you know, am I going insane yeah. or whatever it was. I think when you as a mother or a, or a dad or anything, but you're using that as an example. And I, I, I've i been that soldier as well, first time around with a small baby questioning, am I good enough? Can I do this? And I remember somebody telling me the fact you're asking means that you are doing you're doing enough. Yeah. You're OK you know, if you weren't asking, maybe, but actually sometimes the asking, am I doing this right, means that you're you're probably grand. So just it, go it easy on yourself. Absolutely. Because you're asking the question, it's because you, the fundamental, it's because you care. Yeah. And as long as someone cares to do better, they'll do better because yeah, yeah. they want to learn it. It's the person who doesn't care, doesn't ask that question. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, absolutely. So imposter syndrome is normally a sign that you really care for that position or that role or whatever it might be that you're getting about. You care for it so much, you're even going, do I even match up to this? So I'm going to flip it on its head in a way and say, well, if you're getting imposter syndrome, you're in the right place at the right time. Okay. Embrace that thing because you 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 may feel like an imposter, but you certainly aren't. It's just because you, you're talking yourself down. You, you're getting in your own way. 
Has anyone else in this room said you're an imposter? You know, has anyone else said, oh, you're a fraud? You know, a person who is an actual imposter or is an actual fraud doesn't want to be found out. And they don't ask themselves, am I a fraud? They yeah. know they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. A, uh, you know, the, Tom Hanks again, but, you know, catch me if you can. You know, the yeah. guy knew he was a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he wasn't going, am I a fraud? Is this wrong? He knew what he was doing was wrong. <laughs> so if you're asking yourself, oh, do I deserve this? That you, you got to flip that around and say the reason you're questioning that is because you want it so much. Yeah, you're trying to match up. You're putting yourself in in, in you know on the stand, and you're questioning yourself. Do I deserve to be here? Have I got what it takes? Do I know the skills? Skills can be learned by any standard. You know, adjustment will happen over time. And feeling uncomfortable. Well, I say this: get comfortable feeling uncomfortable and watch some what watch what's going to grow. Yes. Yeah. You know, so many things for me personally, and if it's happening for me, it's happening for people listening are coming to mind, you know, situations, things that I want to 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 um, explore, achieve, whatever. And I'm finding that it's it's myself that's getting in my own way. We all do it. Yeah, we all do it. We, we all, I never forget, I was doing an event and I was about to speak and the guy speaking to, before me was someone I looked up to and I was like, oh no, I'm not following him. <laughs> you know, put me in the morning session when everyone's asleep. Don't put me now. Like, and I just, the whole self-doubt started to come up. We're human, you know? It's yeah. it's what keeps us accountable in some sometimes, but it's a negative when we, when we start doubting ourselves. How am I going to follow him? And I remember what, you know, someone who mentored me years ago said, you just do you. You just do you. And if they don't like you, they'll, you know, the worst is they'll throw tomatoes at you or something. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll boo you off stage and then you just walk on to the next stage that will accept you. So, you know, get off your own high horse. Just, you know, that's what, that was kind of what I said to myself. And I remember going up and afterwards and he was like, he says, oh man, you have a great way about you. He says, I've, I've always wanted to be more real, like the way you deliver. And I'm like, this guy's 10 years my senior. And I'm like, he goes, I, and I'm like, I always look up to you. This is crazy that you're, I appreciate the compliment. And he goes, no, he said, he says, you're a way of, you're very practical. He says, I go a bit too deep. And I could identify, oh man, he's doubting himself too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We all do it. <laughs> yeah. so, and, and, and overthinking. Oh, is, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I did a course on this week, actually only on overthinking. And, you know, we all do it. We, we all, the, the drive, the reason we overthink is because we try to control the outcome. We can, we try and control what will happen next. So if we overthink, we're out with friends and we said a joke and they didn't all laugh or, you know, some didn't treat me like they normally did, the micro expressions. And we come away going, is there something up? Uh, why didn't they text me back? Why didn't they laugh at my joke? And we start to overthink because really what we're fearing is that we're going to get rejected by that group. That, you know, there's something in the air that we don't know about. And then what happens? The person texts you the next day and you go, oh, it's grand. I was overthinking yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But we overthinking because we fear what's going to happen. And so we overthink to try and create solutions yeah. or to calm ourselves down. Here's the problem with overthinking. We try, if we're overthinking, say a rash on our arm, or a, is that a new mold? Don't tell me that's cancer. And then we're straight on to Dr. Google trying to figure out. The reason is we're trying to dissect or calm ourselves down. But what we actually do is we are winding ourselves up because we're now reading about it, talking about it and thinking about it. So when we, shall I say, want to stop that overthinking we have to say look at are you googling this because you're afraid or are you genuinely just googling because you want information and most times i'm googling because i'm afraid well then that's the wrong time to google absolutely you're in the wrong mindset and the wrong emotional state yeah 
And you go, but I can't Google it unless I'm afraid. Well, then you book in for your doctor and talk to someone who can give you a definitive answer. Because Google's algorithm, without going into it, will always give what most people Google the most. And what most people Google the most is the worst case scenario. Yes. I always think the overthinking, if it was a cinema, it would play what if movies all day long. And in those what if movies, everyone generally dies in the end. Mm. (laughs) That's the overthinking cinema right there. (laughs) That's brilliant. <laughs> it's true though. Brilliant way of looking at it. So don't go to that cinema when you're in that state. Easier said than done, I know. Yeah. You mentioned it as well and I think that's a good one to be aware of because I think sometimes we give too much credence to what other people think. Hmm. Um, and most people don't give a shit. No one cares about you no one, more than you. Yeah. So that thing of, you know, you're on one stage and, you know, they might be throwing tomatoes at you. The other one, they might be clapping and up in their feet. But like, you know, don't worry about it. You're not, not everybody's going to love you. It is, it's an impossibility. It's like the comedian, you know, his worst fear is not being funny, you know, Um, but some, but not everyone's going to find you funny. And as soon as you come to terms with that, you'll find stages where people pay tickets who do find you funny. And it's liberating. Yeah. I always put it like this because the worst thing we have right now is with social media and different things and likes and follows and unfollows and oh my goodness, you know, and we get a great sense of, shall we say, hypersensitivity to the amount of likes and comments and what people do and what people say and am I keeping the crowd happy? You know, Bob Marley said, well, you can't please all the people all the time, but you can please some people sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it's so true because the reason or the problem with that is I always say this, look, don't get fo- focused on the people who don't like it. Focus on the ones who are liking your comment. Now, it's it's no secret. They've nor, nor, sometimes shared me. I work with a lot of influencers who have quite a significant following or whatever. Yeah. And I say to them, well, if you're a band and you go on stage, don't be concerned about the people outside who didn't buy tickets. You know, when Bono walks up, he's not thinking about who didn't come to the show. He's not thinking about the person who said, I wouldn't buy that CD. He's thinking about the person who did buy the CD, who's in front, cheering, front row, in the pit, is prepared to get up close and go, come on, give me your best. Mm. And that's who you think about, about every time you show up and you'll have a completely different mindset. Those that don't follow you, don't like you, whatever else, we're not interested. You know, find your tribe. Who supports you? You know, who's backing you all the way? And if it's 10 people better quality over quantity anyway but it doesn't matter and when you start to shift it because we get so caught up and then there's these websites that talk about people all day long and just say horrible things and destroy people's confidence and oh this person that whatever forget all that yeah you start what you're doing because there's a passion in you to say i enjoy doing this sharing this delivering this whether it's tv radio influence or whatever business you might do you started because it was born out of a passion most likely it was born out of profit it's different it's not you know wrong reasons possibly but it was born out of passion but you got to pay the bills too but passion primarily and if you focus on the people who come through the door who who sign up who support you and let them be the focus and the be all and end all of every single thing you do like this podcast we're, we're not thinking you know there's lots of podcasts out there but your main concern is as you said when you're inviting me on the show I want to give value to my listeners you know your passion is your listeners and it's the people who tune in and listen that we care about let's not be too concerned about people who don't even show up yeah 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 who don't even know you exist it's interesting though because you know uh, know, the classic thing of you can get regardless of what you do for a living but I I certainly am reminded when you're speaking there about situations where when I worked in radio I remember you know and my producer would say don't read the messages that come in afterwards and there might be like you know 20 ones going nice show enjoyed it I like you Sheila whatever and that one shitty message would be the one that I'd remember Now, I wouldn't necessarily crumble and cry and often they would make me laugh. But the one I remember one day, excuse my language, but it was get that donkey bitch off the radio. Stop. Yeah. And actually did make me laugh. I'm going to be honest. It made me giggle. 
but underneath the, 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 the defensive giggle was probably a little bit of hurt. Yeah. And I do I remember any of those positive messages that day? I can't tell you, but I do remember that one. Yeah. And that's the one negative. Isn't it interesting? And as humans, yeah. we do that yeah. because we have this, um, We as humans, we're, we're community people. Here's the thing. We, we all have this, we're, we're social creatures. We mm. want to belong. We want to fit in. That's why the fear of rejection is so bad in people because yeah. we all want to fit in. We all want to belong. And we, we try and fit in that way. And so we will always be looking and it's instinctive. It's intuitive almost, but it's instinctive where we will look at anything that says we don't fit in because we'll say, oh, we need to change that. So I do fit in better. And hence, it's curious, there's people who may not like what I do. I have to look up what they're saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What are they saying? And, you know, and, and the problem is that's only going to affect you in a negative way. It's only going to, because it's delivered in a way to hurt you. It's not in a constructive critique way, you know, um, like I've, I, a guy I worked with for years, and uh, he was so black and white, like in his cr- critique, but I always knew his heart was good. Mm. You know, it was yeah. far my better and far better. So I always knew it was good. But people like that, yeah, test the source and ask, you know, are they coming from a constructive critique perspective or are they coming from they just want to, you know, get me off the radio? They just don't like me, yeah. you know, and I go, well, listen, I'm not concerned about who doesn't like me. I'm concerned about the ones who do tune in to me when I'm on the radio, who do listen to my podcast, who do watch me, you know. And when you, you kind of start to focus over there, it's not easy. But if we tune uh, going back to I remember something I said in the, the episode last time, I said, just listen to those who have their heart is behind what they say and their heart is in it for you. They should be the only people we listen to. This is a really good point again and and about intention because sometimes and often it can happen where somebody says something Mm. and you can tell if the intention is to cause you pain or not. And I think sometimes you'll always know. You'll always know. And you'll know and, and it can happen sometimes where people naively put their foot in it. Yeah. And you'll know oh, they didn't mean that because you can tell by the person's, their tone of voice, their body language, that yeah. their intention was good or not. And you can tell a nice, in you know, air quote sentence said in a malicious way, the intention is bad there. Yeah, you so know. intention is so important. Always look the heart behind it. The heart behind it. And if you start it, asking, what's good. the heart behind it? Very are they good. here to help or are they here to, to destroy? Yeah. You know, and we always say this I know we say it's because it's very common we say oh they're just jealous is that a person we'll just use them as an example right so we'll say they're just jealous it's not only jealousy it could be jealousy number one number two they just don't like you or number three you remind them of their lack of achievement Uh and that's more common that's a lot more common than we think so say for example you're doing you you know two friends and you start you're doing really well right so you've John and Joe. Joe is doing really, starting to do really well. John, John and Joe grew up together, but now Joe's doing really well. You know, he's going on or whatever else. And Joe always told John, oh, you could be great. You can do things as well. But John feared stepping out of the boat, going after, you know, what he wanted to do. But Joe didn't fear it and Joe went after it. Now John doesn't like Joe because Joe's successful. Because Joe's success reminds John of his lack of achievement. Yeah. And when we people put a mirror up to us, yeah. And particularly if you're on radio or newspapers, TV, whatever else, people hate to see people doing well because it reminds them of the, the fear that stopped them going after it. You get me? Yeah, I've spoken about this before and I know you have an obviously a far more professional context than me. But um, I would always be, and it's a word that people have a love-hate relationship with, but I sometimes think it's the only word that fits. Um, I'm talking about when people feel triggered. Mm. And they feel, you know, like you're pressing their buttons. Mm -hmm. And obviously, 
you know, everybody's unique and different. We have to honor yeah. and, and respect where they're at. And I'm always conscious of content I put up or giving people a heads up of topics covered yeah. so that just, just be aware you may be able for it or not. But often, cause I, I get a lot of projection. I, I don't know why, but I do. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously at a stage in my life now, 42, and I've done a lot of kind of my own work on myself that I don't take it in. I don't take it to heart because it normally is a reflection of what's going on with that person. So often if you're saying something and somebody's pissed off with you, mm-hmm. it is because as you just mentioned, there's something going on themselves that instead of actually looking at it, it's easier to kind of point the finger and be angry or and be annoyed. It is. No, you've made a really good point. And, and this is what happens because, you know, fear, the fear exists for us all, you know, and, and the fear of failure, the fear of rejection exists for us all. And if you're going after something and, you know, whatever it might be to do, like John and Joe, right? When someone sees you doing well, and it triggers them. And they don't know why they don't like you now, but they don't like you because if you look at their history, their career, at some point they said no to something or they didn't have the the gung-ho to go after something. So they just coasted and they know they've coasted. They know they didn't pursue it or go after it. And you took chances, you took risk, went after it and had success. They hate you for that because you remind them of the time where they didn't go after it, where maybe they were just too lazy. That's so big, isn't it? You know, it is so big. But here's what I'm I'm saying this in a good sense. But you can learn, but you can learn This is it. If you get triggered like that, there is something locked up, you know, you know, signed, sealed, delivered. It's there in you somewhere. Something, a potential that wasn't fulfilled. Because here's why. When you're reaching your potential and you see someone else doing successful, you celebrate with them. Yeah, because you're like brilliant. I know how that feels. You're going after. It. I love it. I love that you're you know stepping up here. So if you get triggered in a bad sense because someone's doing well, well you've denied yourself or something was denied you. May not by yourself, maybe by someone else. Yeah, and it was denied. And maybe not going into all the possibilities here because I know you know it's not a coaching session. But you know if I was talking to a person, sometimes they were told by their parents, "Oh, you'll never make it," or "You'll never be like your eldest brother." I know anyone who's successful, like their eldest brother, they put them in the same box and that's going right back to childhood. Now, we don't go into all that, but you see what I'm saying? So these things can be there their whole lives. But if you get triggered because someone's successful and you don't even know them, but that triggers you, that jealousy or that whatever it might be, you need to book in and get yourself a life coach. (laughs) There's something there that you're not unlocking. And back again to the perspective and you want to unfollow, block or whatever it is, that might be what you need to do. But if you can look beyond that and delve mm-hmm. into it as to why, Dude. yeah, this huge if learning. Like, again, maybe you're just jealous and that's, you know, and jealous is, is bad, but envy is worse. Um, or maybe you don't like them. They're not your cup of tea. That's fine too. But if yeah, it is yeah, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. remind you of, yeah, don't let that brilliant. one go by. Yeah. Don't let that one go by. Really good. So as they say, hurt people, hurt people. It's a very true statement. Yeah. You know, because there's something there that they don't maybe haven't dealt with. Maybe they've forgotten about. I remember one guy and he was an aspiring artist, uh, actor. You know, he was in the the arts and he went to a college in New York with another guy. The other guy did very well. But the guy who went there who didn't do very well hates him for it. Like he hates him. And I said, did you ever follow? No, hates him for it. Just because he reminds me of what I could have been. Isn't that sad? Yeah. And then also, I suppose it's a reminder that if you are a person, because look, none of us are perfect. And I've been, I have found myself 
you know, ha- have feelings or emotions about people or situations that I'm not proud of. And I go, oh, where does that come from? But I've learned that, that you have to look into it. You um, do. If you want to move away from it, which at the end of the day, these feelings are not going to benefit your life. No, and I think if it's a if it's a fleeting moment or it's a one-off, it doesn't matter. But if this is a constant on a weekly basis, this tends to come up for me every time I scroll and I see this or that or whatever else. Or not just a spe- specific person, but just people doing well. If that's constantly triggering you, why stay there? I mean, get sorted out. You know, yeah. that's more, I suppose, something that is highlighting that you're not happy for some reason. Figure that stuff out. And I and I really understand it now in particular because I'm very, I'm very, very aware as somebody who, um, you know, is 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 heavily pregnant now. Mm. But and but I've had two miscarriages, so um, I, I I understand when it hasn't gone to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm aware of how sometimes. A, a, an innocent story of mine might really upset somebody who really deeply desires something and um, might see me as, as 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 almost putting salt into a wound. You do need to be mind your, mindful of your energy and there's a time and a place to be able to deal with it, regardless whether it is, whether it's a work envy or whether it's relationship envy or, you know, yeah, the desire to have a family or however it manifests. It's interesting you say that because that's very personal and relevant to me. So okay. we were married a number of years and we wanted children. And it wasn't that we didn't want, we did want children. Did all we could do to make children happen. We've never had kids and probably never will now. But I never, it was funny because through that process, you meet people who are also in the same boat. I would have never begrudged someone who was pregnant, but I know people who've come to me and are depressed because their sister got pregnant or their best friend got pregnant. And it's not that they have a, any issue with their sister or friend. But it's like they're showing, because they're now pregnant, they're showing me what I could have had and probably will never have. And I would always work. Now, we, I've never had a depressed, nor my wife, she'll tell you that too. Yeah. We've never had a depressed day. And I think because many moons ago, we had a nephew who was 18 years of age and sadly was killed in, in an instant. Okay. I had a cousin who was not a little bit older and his body was found. He was dead and stuff like that. And the reason I'm highlighting that is because I had this thing and it was a horrible thing to have to learn that way, but perspective. Yeah. And this is, I'm, I'm not skirting over this, but I know what it's like to want something and it's not happening and it's out of your control whether it happens or not. Mm. And I know what it's like to, to accept that it may never happen. I've never gone to a place of depression or down or whatever else. And here's why. And you're thinking, why did he mention his cousin and his friend or, the, you know, his nephew? Why has he mentioned that and this? Because I have perspective and I never attach happiness to something that may never happen. I focus on what makes happiness now. And mm-hmm. I focus on f- having that perspective that. So I was pulling up to the hospital one time and I was trying to, my granny was in a hospice. Sorry, she was passing away and I was trying to get parking. And I remember getting angry because I couldn't find a car space because they were renovating or something. So it was very limited. And I was like, can I get a parking? Can I get a parking? And I remember getting really annoyed about it, like frustrated. Mm-hmm. And then I just saw a person in a gown who had no hair and clearly, you know, it wasn't looking good for their, and I was reminding like I'm pulling, look, getting annoyed about a car space. That person might not be here next week. My Grammy grandmother won't be here in a month. And then when I had something like where I wanted, we wanted kids and whatever I went and you know, it's something I'll probably talk about more in another day, but cause it's a long story, but I remember going, but there's people who are dying tomorrow. There's people who don't have, things I have there's people who don't have arms people who don't have legs people who don't have sight you know there's so many things and I go I'm not going to get into 
and we both made a decision I don't know thankfully it probably just kind of came organically to us but because we lost people young we knew the value of that life is precious and you're not always going to get what you aspire to have business family partner house otherwise so never attach your happiness to the future because then you're not shall we say you are taking away your happiness from today yes and I, I think we learned that lesson and that's why when I work with a lot of people who've gone through that stuff or divorces even I can always relate going I know you were in a marriage that you thought was going to be forever and then it's not how will you ever recover and I say well look you're still here mm-hmm. your life's potential is still there you can still be happy again it's just let's work on that now it's probably a deeper conversation but you get my idea where I'm coming from a lot of us can get you get you're all we're all presented with a choice when we see someone that has something that we want you can either get happy for that person because we love kids you know and yeah. I remember one person said to me goes uh, she said to me she said um I wasn't sure whether to invite your, yourself and your wife to my baby shower because she knew me really, really well. Or I thought she did. Um, I wasn't sure if that would be upsetting for you. And I was like, what? I said, no. She goes, because I have another friend who's gone through IVF and I know it'd be too much for her. I said, no, no, we're not like that. Yeah. I said, don't, don't, we're, we're, we're not at that place or anything. No, no, listen, come along. And it's funny. I celebrate with people yeah. who have stuff I don't have. Um, and it's, don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. But we are all presented with a choice. And I can understand how someone could get very like, oh, another pregnancy over lockdown the amount of them you know or whatever it is you know we, we yeah. see it all this. but it's the same true for someone like who's stepping out going for setting up a business or whatever there's a lot of uncertainty out there but never attach your happiness to something that may never happen focus on what is going to bring you joy today yes and when you're stepping out I remember my father said this to me he said look anyone can be like the pigeons you know, they're safe in a group and they're all going around the ground. Everyone can be like the pigeons. But he said, and I know this probably sounds cheesy, but my dad has some great lines. He says, don't be like a pigeon. He said, be like an eagle. Mm. He says, go as high as you can, as far as you can. And always remember, there'll someone be going higher than you. But don't ever get jealous. He said, you just learn to fly like them. And I never forgot that. Love that. And I said, and I've always taken that. And because as soon as we start to get jealous or envy, yeah. We start thinking, we lower ourselves. We start taking away our happiness. We start getting upset. That's why comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. We start to pull ourselves back and ourselves down and we start to become bitter. That's where bitterness comes from. Yeah. And they say, oh, don't get bitter, get better. You know what I mean? But but listen, if, if you're getting jealous, it's a pain that's maybe being pressed on. It's a scar that may be getting opened. Don't remain there. Identify at least, be your own coach that this is not serving me well getting upset like this and you know what I always say get people around you who celebrate you not just tolerate you yeah (laughs) thank you for sharing for sharing that Mm. for starters we do need to have these conversations too it's important can we now talk about relationships because (laughs) for I suppose I know a lot of people during this time um, who have felt more connected to their partners and have kind of felt like, okay, the pandemic has really brought us closer together. We're more bonded and the flip of that. So you have really polarizing kind of things happening at the moment. Mm, very much so. And not alone. My clients booking in for relationship issues or marital issues uh, increased about 30% really? to normal years um, during the pandemic, okay. through, through the kind of latter half of the pandemic. And so, and it's, I'm not sure if I love them anymore or terms like, I think I'm falling out of love. And then there was also affairs and different things. And, you know, they're talking with someone online and, and lots of differences. The point was, or, or, or the observation is relationships were put under a whole lot of pressure mm. for the last 18 months. Mm. It was literally like, we're going to stick these in a room together. 
and see how well you do. Yeah. And that little thing that used to annoy you, it's going to become a big thing in 12 months time. Wait, you see, you know, that little, little grievances that, that, that bathroom not painted yet. When you're looking at the same bathroom every day for six months, it's going to become an issue, a major one at that. So lots of little things became big things. That's one part. But then a lot of relationships were now forced to relate, now forced to be communicate 24 7 7 days a week they didn't have the escape no, I'm going to use the word escapism but they didn't have that the distance, distractions the distractions of yeah. work and overtime and etc etc you know sometimes people were two ships in the night but now that they were stuck together in a way and I don't mean that in a negative sense but they were left together um, they realised that there was you know kinks in the armour there was things that weren't ideal and you know whatever the case for the person who says I don't know if I love them anymore I always say this Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a choice. Yeah. And people forget that. People yeah. go, I don't have the butterflies like I used to. I don't, at least in the honeymoon stage, <laughs> that ain't last forever. You know, yeah. uh, the flowers they used to get you every week, that's going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is, um, you know, when it comes to relationships, it's a choice. Yeah. And yeah. I, 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 let me explain it like this. When we don't, water the plant the plant dies and but the thing about the plant is and i always say a relationship is like it you've got to both be watering that plant to get that plant to live to get that relationship to survive it both it needs both input if if myself and my missus and we stopped doing say going on a date night and we stopped chatting at dinner and we're on our phones all day and you know we're working like two ships in the night and i do that for nine months and then i got someone says are you really strong and connected i'm like yeah, we are, but we haven't had a chat really or, and you know, because there's distance growing in. You've yeah. got to, if you want return, <laughs> you've got to invest. Yes. Um, and that's the only way you're going to do it. I'm not saying every relationship is fixable, but a lot more of them are fixable than you think. Mm. But it takes two to tango. You've got to have both equal in it, but it starts by going the choice. Yeah. You know, it's like when someone gets married, you know, I don't know if that person's married or not, but we make a choice to walk down that aisle to sign that form to get married. It's a choice. It's a commitment. You know, your word is your honor till death do us part and all that stuff. Now, it doesn't always go to plan, we know, right? Um, but what I mean is, it's a choice. You didn't walk down because all oh, these butterflies I've been feeling for the last six months, that's going to make me get married because butterflies go, feelings go. You wake up some mornings and you're annoyed with that person. The sun has gone down and you're like, I could kill that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> you know, or whatever it might be. But if you want to get a return on something, you've got to invest in it. And I would say to you, don't throw away something. It might just need to be, you know, if something breaks, don't just throw it away. Maybe it can be repaired and get the help if you need, rather than just throw it away and say it's over yeah. or, or revisit. What I do is this. I think it's worth sharing. Um, I always say we, we wear a lot of hats. We have our work hat. We yeah. have our mammy hat, our daddy hat, our daughter hat, our sister hat, our mother hat. We have all these different hats. And we have a child or a new baby. You're wearing a particular hat, the mammy hat or the daddy hat for a long period of time. Sleep deprived as you are, your focus is the baby. And that's the right, that's that's life. That's right because the child is only new um, and so forth. And it needs full attention. But what we do is we get stuck in that hat, mammy or daddy mode, say, for I'm just using this as an example. Or if we're starting a business, we get stuck in work mode, the work hat. What we don't put on so much anymore is the lover hat, the girlfriend, boyfriend hat that we wore at the beginning of the relationship, uh, if that makes sense. The, yeah, yeah. the best friend hat doesn't get a look in because we're in one mode, one, as I say, mindset for a long period of time. Now, I say to people, I say, because I, I do a lot of relationship mediation um, and um, I, I, I will always say this to couples. I say, 
what's the problems? Oh, the kids and we're busy and we're not connected anymore. I don't feel I love them anymore and this and that and whatever. They give me a long list of problems. And I said, let me say this. Do you remember when you first dated? And you'll see their body position will go, I do, yeah, I remember that. And they start talking about the, the first date and how they went and how they made them feel. And I'll say, what did you like about her? What did you like about him? You know, or whatever. It was a heterosexual relationship. But I'll always say, what were the things that you liked about each other at that stage? What made you want to go on a date? And I, what I'm doing is, I'm showing my cards now, but I'm getting them into the mindset that they were in when they were that not just honeymoon stage, but when they were boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. when they were romantically, you know, when they were lovers, when they were excited to see each other, you know, I'm getting them into that mindset. And that brings back some memories. And I say, right. And I, you know, we, we work through that and I talk about it a bit and, um, and they just talk about like the funniest little quirky things or the things they did or little small, little simple stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's not about the, the the sex life or the love life at the start. You know, listen, they said statistics show um, the quality of your sex life is based off the quality of your friendship. Okay. That's, that's a fact. Interesting. From men and women. Right. The, so the, the Gotham Institute The deeper your, your friendship is in the relationship, the, greater all the, better, of the, the better the ride. But, <laughs> basically. All of the other stuff gets better. I love it. When you go back to the core. So Remember, people, when you're a boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. boyfriend, best friend, yeah. you marry your best friend. So when you get back into that mindset and I say right now, book a date night with that mindset and yeah. no ch- child chatter. Yeah, because I think most of us listening are thinking of whether it's current partner or previous partners. I suppose really, what were you in those early dates? You were all about that person. All about, all in. Because yeah. you're in that mindset of this person's yeah. amazing. This is what I've been looking for. I've, yeah. I've found gold, right? Yeah. When you get back into that, and, and we can't go on a date night every night and we can't stay in that state every single morning we wake up, but you've got to make time for it yeah. to put that hat back on. So if you're going out on a date night and it's Friday night and you've got two hours to yourselves, go out, phone's home and you go, I'm going out and I'm going to treat it like it's that first night we went out and wherever the date was, you know, wherever the place was. Do you remember the first place, the place you went on a date? Oh yeah, yeah. Do you remember the restaurant? Or was the restaurant? Or oh, yeah, no, we do. And we still talk about it, you so know. So it's good to remind yourself of the place. Yeah. And if you need to go back to that specific place to rekindle whatever it was, we'll do it. it, it again, you can't be seven nights of the week, but make it at least one night or at least one night in a fortnight. Yeah. But don't neglect it altogether because that's the reconnection or rekindling that is so, so important. What I thought was interesting was the quality of our relationship is not based off the quality of the sex life. It was 70% of men said it's based off their friendship as well as 75% of women said that. Right. So men and women, if, because when you're best buddies, you want to do everything together and everything happens. Well, yeah. And I, and also, I mean, I know maybe different people will have different viewpoints, but mm. I mean, I think, yeah, while sex in the beginning is fresh and different and exciting. Novelty. New. Novelty, mm-hmm. new. But I think the deeper you get into the relationship, potentially the better the sex can be because you're liberated and you're comfortable and mm. you're maybe a bit more, I don't know, I'm probably going to say way too much now, but you know, you're, you're just, you're freer. You're freer. You are. Things deepen and get better because you have that connection. And that's why I want to highlight that. It's connection. Because we're with so society now and social media and even films and whatever else, it's all fixated on, you know, the honeymoon stuff like, you know, or the sex life of stuff and it's all whatever else. But that stuff doesn't last and doesn't make something long term. No. You know, um, your love life is like wine. It should get better with age. Because yeah. the connection gets stronger. But when we disconnect at a point, maybe kids, work, career, who knows? Well, we've got to make sure and make the effort to reconnect. Now, you may have 
gone too far apart where it's gone or if there's affairs and stuff that stuff has to be figured out if possible if it is redeemable but if you're fine and feeling we're not connected disconnected i'm not sure if i love them anymore we'll go back to the basics on the connection side of things and change and get your mindset of how it was the two you have to do that yeah and there's hope and i think there's a lot more hope for a lot more relationships than we think don't be in a hurry i say to everybody don't be in a hurry to throw it away no one wants to throw it away but just because the feelings aren't there feelings are transient they come they go but i want to know where's your head at is your head still in it does your head want it to work yeah forget about all the other stuff but do you want this to work well if you do you're halfway there to fixing it yes yes Mm -hmm. and yeah and you have to give to receive Love is a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two, you have to be in it though. It's great. Um, good, good reminder. It's really good reminder. For we us could, all. We could ab- absolutely. And we could stay on that. We could stay on so many different topics. I but know. I don't want to keep you here for another five hours. You're right. Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So let's try and get through some of the questions yes. now that were sent in on Instagram. Go. So there were a lot of reoccurring themes. I'll just fly through them very quickly. Anxiety came up, family dynamics, a lot of work-related questions, fear of going back into the workplace after working for from home for so long, mm. work-life balance, career boredom, uh, self-worth was another topic, finding purpose, feeling lost, who am I was a question. Mm. Overwhelmed stress, overthinking, um, you know, financial issues, relationship procrastination, building confidence, time management. It went on and on and on. So what I tried to to do was distill down some of the questions and rather than just fire them all at you. Let's do the quick fire fire question round. Okay, so (laughs) how do I focus on my intuition and ignore social pressures? I thought that was an interesting question. Well, society says one thing, but we feel to do another. You know, it's like society. Peer pressure, is it? uh, It is, and societal pressure. So, you know, this is what your family wants you to do. This is what, you know, uh, the whole family are solicitors. That means you should be too, or we're all, everyone's a civil servant in this family. I've seen a family like that. And then they wanted to be a singer-songwriter and the family were like, oh yeah, yeah. But after you do law, um, you know. So there's always societal pressure, family pressure, peer pressure, and it comes in many shapes and forms. Or what we should be doing, you know. um, Oh, well, I'm, you know, 40 years of age. This is what I should be doing. The long and the short of it is, I say, what 
is what we I would call intrinsic motivation, your internal motivators. What is it that makes you come alive? What's the thing you could do all day and not be paid for it and love it? The thing that causes you to lose track of time when you're doing it. You know what I mean? Is it what, what is that? Figure out what motivates you and move towards that um, rather than society. Because when you understand what actually makes you come alive, there'll be no stopping you then because you go, I really want to do this. Okay, great. So your why, figure out what your figure why is. Figure out your why. Brilliant. The why behind what you do. Where do I start? If a lot of areas in your life need sorting, what takes priority? Very so this good. person is obviously feeling a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. With well, I actually stuff. do. I do this with clients very early on where we actually go through every aspect of their lives and we break it down at the satisfactory level and we figure out where the biggest unsatisfaction is and we start there. Okay. Um, and that can be different for different people. Oh, absolutely. Always is. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times we think very just kind of lateral. We don't think too deep on it. We think, oh, I'm just not happy because I don't know what I'm doing, you know, mm. or I, I'm just coasting along. I'm just not happy. But we don't go beyond that. Really what I would say is if you're kind of in a place of not happiness, you've got to discover or ask the honest question. Sometimes it's not about finding the answer. It, you know, what would I like to do? Where would I like to go? Ask yourself, what do I not like now? Work it backwards. What is it that you're not happy about? Oh, very good, yeah. Rather than going, what would make me happy? What are you unhappy about? Why are you unhappy? You know? So start going, what's the biggest area in my life of concern? Start there to fix that. When you start to work on those areas bit by bit, like you might say, oh, it's friendship, connection, relationship or whatever. Figure out what has you most unhappy. Start with that. You'll start to then get clarity over time. And these... That's a general answer now, but that's the kind of the guide. Yeah, no, but really good. And and I suppose these kind of questions that we don't often truly ask ourselves and allow the answer to... We never give it the time. Yeah. Would you recommend a notepad? Like, is journaling? Because I'm a fan of writing things down. Would you like write it down and work it out? I would write down, journaling is a great way of doing it, but get your thoughts on paper. When we do that, we activate a part of the brain that is more fault finding. So it's like, it sounds bad in my head, but when I write it down, it doesn't look so bad. Yeah. Or at least you get clarity now. It's like when you talk to a friend, you go, this is how I'm feeling. And then they don't say anything. And then all of a sudden you go, God, do you hear me? I feel like weight lifted. Yeah. That's why they say a problem shared is a problem halved. Because when we verbalize, write or read, we tend to go into more figure it out part of our brain rather than wallowing in the emotion. So yeah, write it down and, and, and start getting clarity of your thoughts. What's going through your head? You know, what's keeping you up at night? What's bothering you about today? Why are you not happy going to work? Why are you not happy on the weekend? And, and start writing it down. Again, that's a general answer. It will be each to their own, but you've got to get it out of your head either shared with a friend, written on paper. Clarity is the key. Another question here is, I often feel overwhelmed. Any tips to manage it? Overwhelmed is because we feel it's too much to take. We can't cope with what's coming at us. And that's a real sign of you need structure. You you need a schedule. You need to... A plan. A plan. Um, overwhelm is because we're too busy to even make the plan. Well, you are better off make the plan because this overwhelm doesn't go away. And when you start to, again, like we mentioned, write it down. What is your to-do? What is overwhelming you? And how can we work smarter, not harder? Um, I, I quite often will do that with clients and we we'll literally just go through their schedule. I'm told that I overthink situations too much. How do I stop? Overthinking is because we fear the outcome. Um, I always say it like this. It's because there is a belief that there's an outcome that will result in a threat. Now, I always call it BOT, B-O-T, a belief outcome threat. Okay, very good. And I would always say to people to unbox that or reverse engineer it and say, okay, well, what's the threat? Okay, here it is, because I think this might be the outcome. And okay, with the outcome in mind, what do you believe 
you know, what, what is that you believe around that outcome? That's the problem. Okay. Rather than looking at, oh, they might reject me. That's the threat. The outcome of the rejection, you might feel what? Oh, I believe I might feel alone or lonely. That's why you're overthinking because the fear of being alone. And then you start saying, so what can we do to alleviate that fear? Let's face into the wind on this. Sometimes what I'll say to people is if they overthink, say, a presentation or um, they're going to do a talk or deliver something like that and they, they don't know everyone in the room or something and they're overthinking, overthinking, overthinking. That's normal nerves to a point, right? But if it's a constant, you, you've got to deliver this in your job on a regular basis and so I'm always overthinking these things, yes. these presentations. My advice would, would, would be is that you're getting caught in a loop because you believe something might happen. But here's what I do, a simple one. I say, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of they might fail, I lose my job and that's going to impact on my family and my house and my mortgage and whatever. And I say, look, when you're showing up to this thing that you're overthinking, I, I say it like this, do you want to show up afraid or do you want to show up being brave? And when you put it into that black and white, you know, most people go, well, I don't want to show up being afraid. Well, then you better show up being brave. Does that make sense? Yeah, and when you kind of put it down into that kind of accountability language, well, are you yeah. going to be afraid now? Or are you going to be brave now? That can sometimes have a, a good impact on people when you get into accountability. When you're causing them to rise to the challenge, uh, it's better than let's talk about the problem, but let's talk about you now how are you going to be and what do you want to be like? Because I always say it's not about being fearless, like fearless. It's about being brave more. Okay. In, you know, and, yeah. and, and sometimes people think, oh, does that mean that the fear is not there? No, the fear is there. I was, I was sharing this. I did an overthinking, as I mentioned, a uh, uh, course only this week. And I said this, I said, on the front line of battle, all those soldiers, do you think they're not afraid? They're all afraid. Mm. It's just they're courageous at the same time, which is being brave in the face of fear. Feel the fear and do it anyway. It is a little bit like that, but sometimes it pays to go a little deeper on, on, on why that is. Okay, very good. And I suppose really at the end of the day, we have to accept that fear is, is going to be a factor in all our lives. And I tell you why, because uncertainty is a factor of all our lives. We cannot always predict what's going to happen next. Yeah. No, so hence fear has to exist to prepare us for uncertainty. And it's not always a bad thing. Fear no. can sometimes protect us from like, you know, that fear of, oh, I'm about to cross the road. And if I don't look left or right, well, yeah. I might get, you know, hit by a car. We, we need That's that. a valid fear. It's, it's, it's a protection. It's a natural protection and we need it. Anxiety is where that fear is triggered and it's impacting your quality of life. It's grown legs. It's mm. dominating you now. That's when it's problematic. Yeah. That's when it's gone too far. We, we all, no one wants to be rejected. But some people fear it more than others because of what they feel the outcome will be. The reason other people don't fear it as much is because they say, well, even if that happened, I'll just rock on, you know. But for some people, that would be, oh, to be rejected by friends would be the end of my life. Oh, I couldn't survive. So that's why we all have, we all don't want the same things, but we react differently based off the fear and because of what we believe will happen. If you start whatever scale you're on, however fearful one might be, if you start with this, that no matter what happens, this is easier said than done, but you, when you start to constantly remind yourself, no matter what happens, I will survive it. Yeah. I will survive it. You know, and the only thing that you may think, well, I won't survive death. That's the only thing you probably won't survive, but you can survive everything else. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will survive it. And so when someone gets fear of panic attacks or fear of high anxiety, well, I had to learn this myself. We talked in the last episode. I had to learn that I will survive it. I will survive it, no matter how bad it gets. Uh, there's nowhere on record where a panic attack kills someone. You know, okay. interesting enough. Yes. Um, you know, so there's nowhere on record. And the amazing thing about it is, when you're in a panic attack, the biggest fear you fear is that I'm going to die. I can't cope. It, my head will blow off or I'll collapse. The worst thing that can happen is you faint. Yeah. And you'll come back around maybe with a headache. You know, but so we we fear what may happen. And sometimes it's not always that bad. But if you start saying to yourself, even the worst happens, I'll survive it. Even if 
my friends reject me, I'll survive it. Even if I don't meet someone that I want to fall in love with, well, I'll survive either way. And when you start to get into that way of looking forward in life that I'll, I'll survive it, it's going to be hard. It's going to feel terrible. It's going to be awful or whatever. Well, when you start to believe that the glasses have fallen, that you can get through something, mm. you then give yourself what's called hope. And when you and hope is a powerful thing. And one of the things that got people through Auschwitz was the hope. Yeah. You know, it was holding on that someday this will end. We've no idea when. God forbid, we don't know what will happen. But it was the hope. And as psychologists have documented this quite heavily, it was hope. So when you say, no matter what happens, I'll survive it. It's hope will get me through. I'll, I, I hope for a better day. I just hope for a better day. It's when we get into that internal dialogue of, I won't be able to survive it. It'll, my life will be over. If he leaves me, if she leaves me, that's it, the end of me. I'll be that person, that statistic. I never want to be that person. I remember one person and they had the stickers on the car, you know, mom, dad and two kids. You know those little stickers? Yeah. And they were going through a divorce. And they said, I couldn't take the sticker of the dad off the back of the car. You know how heartbreaking that must be? God. Because they said, I don't want to be that person. And I said, you're focused on the sticker that's coming off. I said, if, you, if we can look forward and look at the stickers that are still there. And what about the stickers that will be added to those stickers? That's how I put it. Like, you know, with her kids growing up and having families. And so, and, and they'll have their own families. And then there might be grandkids and so forth. And I said, your sticker doesn't have to stand there alone. Yeah. Just because one sticker has gone doesn't mean you're, you're stickerless. Yeah. That's her word. Um, and that was her big thing. Because she just, that one day when she said, I have to take this sticker off now, and she couldn't, that was the fear because she believed I won't survive this. I'll never be happy again. Yeah. You know, and, and that was horrendous. I mean, the amazing thing about that woman is, because I still keep in touch with her. We coach occasionally, but she still keeps in touch. She, she, and she will tell you this, uh, she is in a better place now today than she's ever been in her life. And she was married for a significant amount of time. Yeah. A number of years. Yeah. And because she realized that if I can survive that, I can survive anything. Mm. She went through her dark time. Don't get me wrong. But she got through it. It builds resilience. She got it. through it. Yeah. yeah. Um, she trained to be a life coach and everything herself. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay. Amazing. That's not what she does, but she just did it for her own self. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she got through it. So I always say, no matter how bad or how dark it gets or whatever you feel you cannot survive, just say, no, I'll survive it no matter what happens. And I'm going to hold on to hope. Now, some things like a loss of a child or, you know, death or that kind of loss leaves its mark. It leaves its scar. But we can get through that. We can survive it. And there will be a grieving process. Give yourself the time. You know, it could take a very long time, but give yourself the time. But don't give up on being happy again. Don't don't think I'll never be able to happy again. You will. You yeah. will. And I remember one specific story I read about and it was actually an Auschwitz story. And the man had lost his wife, his children, his friends, everyone he knew in Auschwitz. It, the, it was written by a psychologist, Viktor Frankl, who interviewed this particular man. Yeah. Um, it's in the book called Man's Search for Meaning. Meaning yeah, it's a great book. You, know, it's, you know the book, right? Well, you know the story. Right? Yeah. And he said to me, he goes, how can I ever be happy again when everyone I loved is gone? Mm -hmm. And Viktor Frankl said to him, he said, would you rather have your wife be here struggling with this pain and you be gone or you be here with this pain and she be gone. He goes, well, I wouldn't want my wife to go through this pain because I love her so much. And he said, well, let that be your new or your new purpose and appreciation in life to say, well, I rather it's me here with this pain than her and that life goes on. And then he said, what would she say to you now? She'd say, get on with your life. Mm -hmm. She said, move on with your life. And he only did, I think, two sessions with Victor Frankl and he got over it because he realized, well, I rather I be here now and I'll take that and I'll hold on to that 
and I'll live my life. And I'll say, in honor of her, I will learn to be happy and move on with my life again. And only when, that's a horrible position to be in, but the fact that someone like that can get, can find hope again. Of course, the wounds are there, but they can find hope again. I think we can all find hope somewhere and hope is a powerful thing to bring us forward because when there's no hope, that's when we feel we won't survive. Yeah. Yeah. The next question is very much tied into what you've just been talking about, mm. which is advice on being in the present. I worry about the past and future on a daily basis. And I mean, I think... What you've just spoken about there is when you're saying I will survive this it's about being present moment aware it's about yeah. stopping that part of your brain that worries about what's already happened and what is to come yeah. but just be with whatever is going on right now mm. be that a good thing or a bad thing but whatever it is it's not permanent it is mm. temporary and everything has the capacity to change well sometimes people go to you like I work with people or whatever and they might say oh they've said to me this too will pass and I said well let's not try and force it to pass but let's accept how we feel, yeah. understand how we feel. We're not bulletproof. Allow ourselves to grieve or whatever it might be or whatever we're anxious about or depressed about or whatever. Allow it to be. But you've got to see it like a cloud rather than like a house. A cloud eventually will move. You know, a house is something that's solid. Sometimes we picture this anxiety or depression or whatever we're going through as it's a solid structure that we'll, we're locked up in and we'll be there forever. Don't see it like that. See it more like it's a cloud that's hanging over right now. But it too, you can't shift it. It has to just pass itself. It's what we do while we are under it. Yeah. I hope that helps. Okay, another question is time management. Every day feels like there are not enough hours in the day. I didn't write this, but I could (laughs) have. A lot of people could, right? Because, you know, it's the one thing that... uh, I always put it like this, and I remember hearing this before, and it gave me a very great perspective on time. Um, And it's... We don't know how much we have. It's always counting down and we can never generate more of it. And with that sense of urgency, you start to get your time management in order. <laughs> What's priorities? Yeah. Um, but you've got to look at it in with time management. And that can sometimes just be a simple routine or structure around that. Mm. But I would say if you feel there's not enough time, I would say, okay, that's fine. Are you happy with where all your time is going is the question I'd ask you. And then they'll say, well, no, there's certain things that take my time like this, that and whatever else. And I said, well, because you're not happy. It's not that there's not enough time. Your time is being spent somewhere you don't want to spend it. So change that. Yeah. I had one mother say that. She said, because doing the homework with the kids, I can't do it. It grates me. She says, I hate doing the homework. I'm not a teacher. I hate teaching. Don't want to be doing the homework with the kids. But she said, I know as a mother, I need to be doing that. I'm just being honest, Mark. I don't want to teach the kids. And we actually, well, the long story short, she ended up getting her, her mother to work with the kids. Okay. Who loves teaching. Because I said, this is not helping you or the kids. Because she's frustrated. Yeah, Delegate yeah. sometimes. If you can, you know, and, 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 and a good, good one that I heard, um, it was actually my partner said it to me, it was it, it, eat the frog in the morning, get rid of that the hardest task. So when you have your to do list, I would often leave that the, the, the thing that really needs to get done to later in the day. And by then, well, decision know, fatigue stuff. is a thing. Yeah, it's like a glass of water. You know, I was if actually heard it was a psychologist wrote this and he said decision fatigue is like a glass of water. Every decision takes a sip or a mouthful. And the more you take out, by the time to get to the end of the day, you don't even know what to have for dinner. Do you ever get yeah, like that? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What we have? Oh, whatever's there in the fridge. <laughs> you know, I don't care. I, I'm done with decisions. So, yeah, you got to do your big stuff first. Big stuff first. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Um, that is true in job or personal or professional speaking. Shane knows all about this. I always leave everything to the last minute. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So I'm a people pleaser and I really wish it wasn't help. We people please because we want to fit in. Um, when you are a people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very blunt here. If you're a people pleaser, you're a liar. 
All right, chat. Ooh, ouch. Because you're lying to yourself every single time. Yeah, you are. You're putting there, you're, you're telling them one thing, and you, you're people pleasing, and you're lying to yourself. That destroys your confidence. Because when someone's a people pleaser and then they go, why am I confident? Because you are telling yourself, I'm going to do this even though I don't want to. You're denying you all the time. You're beating yourself down. Confidence is the ability to confide in yourself. You cannot confide in yourself if you say no to yourself because of someone else. Yeah. So your confidence gets destroyed. That's it. It's that simple. Um, I know that's blunt, but great. I always say sometimes we need you need that. Sometimes we need. I, I can be blunt with coaching, yeah, <laughs> but I, I can be blunt. But I, sometimes we need to, you know, let's just not fret the small stuff and get to the facts and say, look, you're lying to yourself to make them happy. Is that how you want to live your life? Yes or no? And then when people ask themselves that, honestly, okay, yeah, well, if people please, because of the job, the career, the promotion, this, that, whatever else keeps them happy, whatever else, well, who's more important, their happiness or your happiness or both of your happiness? Keep them happy and you happy would be the ideal. But you can't always do that. And also, I think we feel it from people. We mm. feel when it's genuine or not. You know, you can feel when somebody is just like, you know, applauding you. They're just saying what they, what they think you yeah. want to hear. But ultimately, I think when it comes down to it then... Sometimes I find that you don't necessarily respect that person's view because yeah. they're not necessarily showing themselves respect in that situation. They're kind of flaky. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I hate being I, like that. Yeah. I prefer to sit in front of somebody and debate an issue and that that person have a completely different view to mine, but stick to their guns and honor themselves rather than the person who's just telling me what I want to hear. People pleasing and uh, people pleasers may get promotions, but they won't keep the job. Okay. Very good. Because no one will follow them. They get sussed out. And then someone who comes up who's not a people pleaser who has the ability to actually lead from the front and not from behind will actually make it happen. So you get so people pleasing may get you the promotion, but it won't keep you the job. Wow, that's good. Because you can't people please and be a leader. Yeah, right. Um, I was fortunate enough to train in a leadership school in the States and it's very black and white. Mm. Um, it was very interesting to see as well. But that was one of the things they said. If you want to lead from the front, you can't be trying to people please the people at the back. Yeah. <laughs> that was interesting. Really good. Again, I wish we had like an hour on each of these questions because there's so much to say, but let's try and just fly through the last few. How do I find balance in my life between work, family, relationships, hobbies? The ultimate question. Yeah. Finding balance. Yeah. I mean, you can't give all your time to everything. Um, It's going to come down. Here's what it comes down to. And it comes down to, it does come down to getting the balance. It comes down to priorities and it comes down to who's in control, you or your schedule. You know, it's like people who are self-employed. Are you working the business or are you working for the business? You know, and sometimes you have to make the, the distinction. Um, so what I would always suggest to people that feel like I'm trying to get the balance and do all these things or whatever else have you. And I say, well, look, what is of value to you? What is priority to you? And I cut off at least one of those things. So if you force yourself to cut off just one thing, you can't cut your kids off, your job off or whatever else, right? But yeah. find something that you can cut off. And, okay. and, and see, you, you come at it a different way, you see. Your, your mindset, is, it's, you're looking, um, you're outwardly looking in rather than inwardly trying to fix it. So you kind of go, what one thing can I not do this week? Or maybe even never again. Or maybe just once a month. What one thing could I cut off? One thing. And when you get into the nitty gritty, it could be a simple thing like I'll order the shopping online and hit repeat every month, every week rather than going to the shop because I hate shopping. Whatever. Find one thing yeah. that you hate doing that you can cut off and cut the thing off or change it. Start that way rather than trying to balance everything else. The rest, you'll, you're not going to be able to balance everything perfectly in symmetry. Yeah. But try and pick one thing that you can cut off. Get rid of that. I say that to people in business too. Really good. You know, in departments. Pick one thing that you hate doing and stop doing it. 
One last question before I let yeah. you go. I want to make a career change in my late 30s. How do I take the first steps? My husband is very anxious about this. Yeah, so the fear is in the question. I don't know if you see that, right? Because it's not, I want to make a career change. How do I make the first steps? I want to make a career change. And she makes a point of, or he, well, I'm not sure, he or she says, in my late 30s. That's the fear in the question. Okay. The, it's, I want to make a career change. If, you ask, if they ask that question at 21, they wouldn't say, because I'm, I'm 21. They're making age a thing. Yeah. They're creating a boundary already by saying, but Mark, if you do need a mortgage and you do need to change at 30s, it's a lot harder to change in 30s as in 20s. Some might say, I have people coming out of college who I'm working with who studied something for four or six years and they don't want to do it anymore. And they're only, they've only they just put all that money into it, getting loans to study this thing that they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's like the doctor who doesn't like needles. Now, what does he do? <laughs> um, but the point is, so you can see the fear in the question because of their age. Yeah. And I say, well, put it this way. If they, chances are, I know I'd love to talk to that person, but chances are there's something in them saying career change. Well, I'm going to say that only gets worse. And if you're, they're in their 30s, but when you're still thinking that in your 40s and then you get, you know, move on a bit on, then it becomes a regret. You know, so you've yeah. got to listen to your heart and go, what do I want here? Do I want a career change, less money, but be happy? Or do I want the same money and be unhappy? Well, now when you put it like that, Mark, it's a lot easier. So many of us put fear in the way. Now, the husband is is mentioned and 30s is mentioned. So there's two things that are causing this person to second guess, should I make this career change? Let's say, well, we're hoping the husband's going to support you. He's probably just being the realist in finances, et cetera, et cetera. Um, God forbid, if he's an accountant, he'll never let you move. Career, I'm only joking. <laughs> because he'll be thinking the numbers. Um, and you're thinking the age. But I would say this. Listen, I say it every single time. If you want to, this is not about in pursuit of happiness. This is about living a life that you're content with. It's not that you're happy every day, but you're overall, for the most part, content. If you're feeling the urge to shift career now, Think of how discontent you'll be in life in 10 years time. Yeah, that regret. Yeah. And if you're, it's, if it's going to cost you move to lose now, don't see it as the, it's going to cost you taking a hit. See it, you're investing in your future self because I'll be happier when I make this career change. Mm. That's how I would reframe looking at it and then practically work out numbers and see how you can do it. But if you want to shift, you can always shift. Age is just the number. Car uh, one little quick story. Uh, KFC, Colonel Sanders, he was 60 when he started KFC. Okay, yeah. So I, I always think age is but a number if you see it like that or it's a roadblock if you see it like that. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. What do you make of the side hustle? You know, as in the person who who's, you know, because you still maybe perhaps have the security of the permanent job yeah. or whatever that job is and you decide to like dabble in the in the passion oh, yeah. to see. Is that a good idea? I think it's a great idea. Yeah. If I think you it's can great do idea. it. If you can do it. And I think, but we all can. You'd be surprised what we can do when passion is our motivation. When we're motivated, we'll spend a whole lot more hours working on something because we're passionate about that project, whatever it might be. So what I would say is if you've got the side hustle or you don't, I think everyone should have a side hustle or at least, you know, try it out mm. um, and, 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 and explore because it'll put a smile on your face and it might just remain a side hustle. You know, I've had side hustles that have become full on full time businesses. You know what I mean? So like I know you've got to put it this way don't the only person who limits you and he's the moral of the story the only person who limits you is you yeah you will make room for something you're passionate about I love I took up downhill mountain biking last year right I where would I get the time to do it but I really wanted to do it took it up I still do it I love it then I uh, this year I I'm always on for taking on things I bought a, a kayak 
because I want to do sea kayaking because that looks deadly and white water stuff and I love all that kind of thing. And I started doing that. And I was like, where am I going to get the time now to do the bike and do the kayak? It's amazing I've found time yeah, because yeah. if you're passionate about something, you will find time and you'll yeah. do it too. Do you know what? These episodes have been absolutely fantastic. I I know that so many people will probably be just, you know, who have probably already gone on your website looking to make appointments. And I know you're busy and you've a lot of clients, but I, I would imagine there'll be a lot of people reaching out wanting um, to, you know, set up sessions with you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. In a relatively short time, I think you have given some brilliant nuggets of advice. And I think certainly given a lot of us, including myself, a lot of food for thought, um, so I'll be far more aware now going forward. And it's it's great to have that. Be reminded. We all need it. Yeah, none of us are perfect. No. And we're always a work in progress. And that's okay. I keep I reread books I read 10 years ago and I read them like it's, it's first time reading them going, yeah, I forgot that. That's so important. Must never forget. We all need reminding. You know, one of the things I do is I start up, I set up a, a monthly coaching program yeah. because it's great reading a book and you learn something or doing a course a one-off and that's brilliant but we need the constant reminder and that was one of the reasons I set up Tribe and it's amazing how consistency is far better than occasional brilliance if you're consistent with something watch the results come in and it's all about the results at the end of the day you mentioned Tribe there mm. um, so do you want to just before we go just yeah. tell us a little bit about that I will really quick. Yeah. So basically, um, I can't coach one to one. The waiting list has gone too long and stuff, whatever. But what I've done is I set up a private group um, and it's basically monthly coaching where I do a night of training. I also do a night of Q&A, much like, you know, we're chatting about people ask questions and I will then give answers and so forth. But the groups, it's got a synergy about it. So it's people supporting people, like-minded people. So if you're wherever, if you're struggling with, you know, anxiety or you're starting a business and don't know where to go or you're just lacking confidence or motivation or whatever your challenge is, it's monthly and it's there to support where you can ask questions, get answers. But you're around people who will say, well done, keep going. You know, it's we'll celebrate with you. Um and the amazing thing about it is, though, the the group, we've, we've got a private like chat group and stuff. And it's amazing, the ideas and the connections and people bouncing ideas off. And even just knowing that there's people in the same boat yeah. is sometimes a great start. So can we still join that? Um, you can. Um, it only opens enrollment. If, if it's not open now at the point of this podcast being released, you can put your name on the waiting list. But basically head to my website, markfennel.ie, two N's and two L's. So markfennel.ie. And it's the same handle on Instagram. It's markfennel.ie. Just connect and 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 hopefully there's content there that will will, will surely help you um but yeah i'd love to have you aboard mark thanks a million thank you so much it's been a great chat i've loved it if you like this episode you can go back and listen to our first chat if you missed that one and if you're a fan of the pod please do let me know by leaving a rating or a little comment on apple it takes about a minute i promise you can also click follow or rate on spotify that's a new thing and you can share it with pals in real life or on social media Whatever you do would be absolutely brilliant and I would really, really appreciate it. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.